I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. We like to call it the hump day edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. We'll talk Texas basketball. Of course, a disappointing loss on the road in the Big 12 to Iowa State. We'll also get into the NFL. Of course, you've got the divisional round coming up. Cowboys versus the 49ers. We'll already start to preview it and break it down again to some of the other divisional round matchups. We'll also talk about the coaching carousel in the NFL, the latest update on what the Texans are doing for their coaching vacancy. Also, we'll get into some other news, notes, and nuggets from the Longhorn. Uh, obviously, the Longhorn, the 40 Acres, there are a couple of updates we got to get to. There's the wide receiving coaching vacancy. We'll get you an update on that. Also, there may be possibly a transfer portal acquisition by the Longhorns. We'll talk about that. So we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain and do that coming up. Before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. Uh, right now, my man Hard is feeling a little bit under the weather, so he's not going to be with us. But, of course, I'm never so low because we got the Idillionaire, one of the hardest working members of the ARN family. He's got a hustle spirit, period. Uh, we don't know what he's paid, but we do know he's underpaid. He is the Patrick Davis. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Got to go see my Spurs get a W last night. Man, did you, that, that was a little surprise with no KD. No KD, no K- Kyrie. No KD, no Kyrie. Okay, yeah, you know what I mean? So did KD even, was he even there? He was not even there. Okay. Well, so he was not was there. Kyrie, Kyrie there? was there because Kyrie he was, was a there. late scratch. Like, he got scratched probably an hour or two before tip-off. So. There you go. All right, so you picked the right game to go to. We did. They got a W. There's not a lot of those Ws this year. <laughs> I want to say for the first, hey, you picked the right game to go to, man. That's that's the way to do it. Uh, so we haven't gotten into a lot of NBA discussion, but we will, and that's why I'm glad we got my man Patrick for many reasons, uh, but also because he is a uh, man. Talk about NBA fans. I mean, you're a, you're a dedicated one. You got the NBA like package. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I know you're dedicated. Well, I mean, you got to remember, I started writing articles covering the NBA in 2002. Yeah. So I started following it, like, pretty intensely 
in high school and then went through. But yeah. it's for you want to tw- you want to watch the bad teams too. Oh, the yeah, teams they won't good, even put on. There's good players on bad teams. I know. Ross. I was like, exactly. <laughs> even the, team, the games they won't even put on the the national uh, nationally televised games are the ones that are even the ones. I guess NBA TV. Yeah, they, yeah. they put a lot of games. No, like out if there. you don't want to watch, if you don't want to see yeah. Cleveland this year, you're missing the fun of basketball. That's what I'm Cleveland's saying. Like a that. fun team this year. <laughs> I'm sure they are. That's exactly. That's Indiana's why Indiana's a fun team this year. That's why you're you're such a great resource, brother. Because uh, you keep us from having to watch NBA uh, pre. <laughs> Pre Christmas NBA. There you go. Yeah, you. Yeah, well, it's a lot of football NBA. You like NBA post football. Yeah, I'm a uh, pretty much. That's how I, I start dedicating myself to the NBA. Then I watch. I mean, I'm watching some of it, but definitely not as dedicated as you. My man Matt Butler is also one of those. He's dedicated. He watches like the NBA spring league games. Oh, the summer league. Summer league. Yeah, man. You yeah, got to watch the summer league. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just, you got I want to get out there. I want to get out there to one of those. Seems like in a fun Vegas, time. In Vegas yeah, yeah. all the time Seems right fun. now. Man, he, gets, he he literally is watching those games. I'm like, you watching those games? Like, yeah, man. Getting a lot of great I don't want to go to the Salt Lake City one. That one does uh, not seem as much fun. I'm, the I'm Vegas sorry. one seems more fun. All of them seem like uh, <laughs> it's a, a waste of time for me. But I appreciate you being dedicated so we don't have to. We'll get all the information and the nuggets. Okay, uh, let's get to it. Uh, we got a lot to get into. We'll talk to Texas uh, basketball team, the men's Texas basketball team, losing to Iowa State on the road. Uh, you can always be a part of the show, 512-337-3776. Uh, you also can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. You you want to cyberstalk hard, you can do that too. He's at Hardball Harsh. But he'll be back uh, tomorrow. Just feeling a little bit under the weather today. All right. Uh, this Okay, first of all, my first complaint. How is this game not televised? How is this a streaming yeah. app game? Streaming I, an ESPN Plus platform I, game? This is, I mean, two this is top, top 15, 12. Yeah, two top 15 teams. Top you 12 should. match? Are you, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it's silly. I think this is what? one of those things that they're trying to sell ESPN Plus Come with. Come on, man. But yeah, it's that's it's, that's that's ridiculous. Come on, that to me that that's offensive. It, it really is. is. No, it's it's stupid. Mean, yeah. That's a disservice to college basketball. Yeah, you're, you're hurting. You're hurting. I'm serious. You're hurting the game with that. I mean, yeah. that's terrible. That game should be televised. People have a lot of interest. You had a great storyline with Tyrese Hunter. Big 12 freshman year going back to Iowa State. I yep. mean, it was just, oh, in Texas, I mean, it's a lot of drama, period, with Texas going on. I mean, that's a, that's a game that is generating a lot of interest. And it's a, like you said, top 15 matchup. I couldn't believe it wasn't on. I had to scramble. And and get and, and, <laughs> Find it and, and get... steal people's uh, passwords. <laughs> well, well, not steal. Still, uh, they allowed me yeah, to borrow. Borrow. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, that's actually more appropriate. Borrow for the time being some of their ESPN Plus stuff just to try to get the uh, get the game. But anyway, I digress. That's obviously uh, not the point. Uh, the point is Texas end up losing that game, seventy eight to sixty seven. How did you feel, Patrick, when they were up? Because you obviously were um, you you went to the the Spurs game, but the Longhorns were up twenty nine eighteen, yeah, with about seven fifty one left in the first half, and I feel like they got comfortable at that point. Um, and two things that really were the storyline of the game: uh, the 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 two droughts they had, the two long cold spells that Texas had offensively, something that was honestly kind of systemic uh, issues for the team last year that they would go on these ridiculously long uh, droughts without a field goal. Uh, It happened again. That is obviously not an issue with this team, but it did happen in this game. It happened twice. 
um, in the first half, the final seven and a half minutes, essentially, of the first half, they went without a field goal. And they ended up being outscored 18-6 to six over that stretch. And then they ended up in uh, at a deficit at halftime, 36-35. to 35. Um, But obviously, they were still in the game. It's, a, it's a, obviously on the road. I mean, there's a lot of uh, adversity you got to deal with. Tyrese Hunter, we'll get into some of the details. Um, but the that wasn't the, the, the drought that pretty much put them out of the game. The second half drought, which was damn near 10 minutes, it was probably nine and a half minutes, it was, I mean, that was probably the the one that enabled, I think it's eight, eight consecutive missed field goals. That was the one that really put them at, in a deficit and it put them in a hole that they really couldn't dig their way out of. And uh, that was the one that I, I think for, for me was most surprising because of all the weapons they have offensively, whether it be Marcus Carr or you're talking about Timmy Allen, Sojabari Rice, they couldn't find anybody to dig them out of that hole. Yeah, and I mean, this has kind of been a problem, and it was a problem last year. It's a problem for a lot of teams, but it's playing 40 minutes of basketball, and we've seen them in the last couple of games not play a good first half, come out and play a really good second half, which you'll win more games if you play a good second half. And this one, they played well for about eight minutes in both halves, probably, uh, mm-hmm. combined, so maybe 16 minutes of this game was good basketball from Texas, but no one ever really got hot. There's a few things. Texas doesn't have a big enough, like, they're not a good enough team to have failings at, at enough like multiple things because they don't rebound the ball well and they just haven't all season. I don't think that's going to get much better, but they're getting out rebounded in almost every game they play. So if you're getting out rebounded, that closes the the opportunity for you to win games. So you have to shoot better because you're not getting offensive rebounds. You're, it means you're going one and done in most possessions. So you need to make those count. You you don't you're not necessarily a high three point percentage team. So you need to make you need to make smarter decisions on when you're taking them. And the biggest thing is you cannot turn the ball over. Because, again, if you're not getting rebounds, you have to at least get shots up because you've got to at least get one shot up. And there was a period in the second half at the end of the game where they should have been coming back. And I believe from like six minutes to two minutes, roughly, four minutes, where there was not an actual shot attempt. There was shot attempts that went into free throws during that, but there was no actual statistical shot attempt for four minutes because of turnovers or getting fouled, which getting fouled's good, but you're like, man, you at least need to get something where you're getting a shot up. Yeah. Where you're not trying to go in and get fouled, where you're getting a clean shot up. And if you can't do that for four minutes at the end of a game, that that's a problem. Yeah, you know offensively they're having issues because their leading scorer was Christian Bishop. Yeah. So No, you need and you need that's uh a- Timmy Allen, uh Tyrese Hunter, or Marcus Carr to put up a at close to twenty. One of them has to do that in a game for you to win the game. One of them has to be shooting well and getting you those points and being able to pull you out when you have those droughts. And so when you see a box score like that and you're like, well, it's it's spread around. Like, it can't be completely spread around. Yeah, We need 10 more out of one of those guys. Yeah, uh, and in something that Zay talked about, too, I heard him on uh, Chad and Zay, and he was doing a great job breaking down the game, uh, talking about how uh, Iowa State ended up making more free throws than Texas shot altogether, too. Now, it's only one free throw disparity between the amount of free throws that Iowa State made and the total uh, free throw attempts for Texas, but still, that was even one of those, kind of flipped the script, that was like, oh, Chris Beard. Uh, that was one of his kind of mantras that he always wanted to try. That was one of his goals as a team. Obviously, this is not Chris Beard's team. Um, but just getting to it, that is something that is uh, a, a huge advantage 
14. Kind of, it does kind of paint a little bit of the story. One of the biggest issues for Texas in this game, and it will be the case all season long. It's not something that's, a, I think, a fatal flaw for Texas. They don't have a true five. They yeah. don't have a true big man. And when they face a true big man, um, O.C. Nee? Nee? Uh How you say it? O.C. Nee? Yeah. O.C. Nee? I hope I, I, hope I got so. it right. If I got it wrong, I apologize. Um, uh, but it's Osun and then it's Osunii. I, I could be wrong about that, but if it's um, – he was – I mean, he was a problem. I mean, you're talking about a true big man. He's a true five. Um, he was five or six at the rim. Um, and Texas does have guys that filled that role in Dylan DeSue and Christian Bishop, uh, but n- not well enough. Rodney Terry tried to counter, I think, to go small. When they had such an advantage in, in the front court with the bigs, but uh, it did not really work out for Texas in this matchup because the, your your playmakers, your main scorers like Marcus Carr and Serge Ibari Rice uh, and even Timmy Allen, uh, they they didn't provide enough offensive support for you. Yeah, they just didn't have enough. No, I mean no one shot particularly well in this game, but yeah, and then, and then it just goes you can't turn the ball over, especially late in games. Uh, you know, there's going to be times where you don't shoot the ball particularly well, and I appreciate that they were trying to get to the free throw line later in the game as well to try and just get anything to go down, but you have to be able to not turn the ball over in the last five minutes. You maybe can get one turnover, not four or five. If you turn the ball over that much, it's just a recipe to a loss. Yep. Uh, But I, I think there's just... I think there's a lot of things where there just needs to go back to fundamentals of, look, we know we don't have a five that can stay in this game. We're, they're working to try and get the Dillons to be a little bit better rim protectors. Christian Bishop is a good – he can guard in the post, but he's not necessarily a rim protector as much. So you're trying to find guys who can kind of mix and match. Like Brock Cunningham's not necessarily a rim protector, but he can body up with a guy in the post. So you have guys that can kind of mix and match and put in there. But at the same part, you're going to have to start figuring out this rebounding thing. Because the more I watch these games and you watch how the rebounding is, it's not like Texas isn't going for rebounds. They're athletic. But, so they're, they can... but they're not boxing out. They're not putting themselves in positions to win rebounds. They're standing where they were standing when the shot goes up and not adjusting to seeing a ball and go, oh, that's going here. It's probably bouncing off this way and trying to play for it. You're just playing the lottery. Of, yeah. Man, I hope that bounces my way. And then you watch as three guys on the other team are standing where the ball's going, and you don't have anyone. You go, well, how did three of them know where it was going? And none of y'all seem to make a beeline over to where they all went. Yeah, you're saying, saying they're adjusting to the trajectory of the yeah, shot, and they're and just making and they're boxing out, their and they're getting into guesstimate as yeah. to where it's going. Like to if you're go. shooting, hey, if you're shooting a uh, a corner three, you might want to line up behind the basket because there's a decent enough chance it's going to come off around that way because of the way the ball's going. Yeah. But then they'll line up directly in front of it, and you're like, yeah, it could go out that way, but more likely it's just going to go straight through. But either way, box out. Yes. But yeah, and so <laughs> if, you're, and if you're not boxing out, that's fine. You need to get back on defense because the transition D is a problem. But you can't be standing there hoping the ball comes back to you or hoping you get a tip out where they try and do a lot of it where it's just they have one center going for it with three guys around him, and he tips the ball out. I, like As much as I love our guards, they're not great rebounding guards. And when you don't have a – real five and you don't have rebounding guards you're just losing a lot of possessions yeah uh timmy allen your leading rebounder he ended up with six rebounds uh in that contest but uh, in addition to the uh, issues you brought up and i totally agree with you um the two droughts that texas had in the game the one in the first half and the one in the second half they ended up being outscored 38 to 12 
um, in those two scoring droughts without a field goal. That um, you know that'll that'll lose you any game in the Big Twelve. You're gonna yeah. lose, I mean, it doesn't to me. I mean, I know there are there, there are some issues that I'm sure that you know, and you were looking in some detail about some of that stuff, and you know the team because you get an up close and personal view of them uh, at the mood um, every home game. But when you start looking at just the kind of macro of why they lost this game, two droughts. Um, of both of seven plus minutes in each of the halves in this game, and you're all scored 38 to 12. You're not going to win any game in the Big 12. So that's, and and like you said, none of their main scores, the guys that they really depend on for their kind of their their main um, guys to create offense, the guys who can generate offense and create their own shots. None of those guys had great games. Marcus Carr ended up with 11 points. Uh, Timmy Allen ended up with nine points. Um, you know, Serge Jabari Rice ended up with just six points. He just didn't have enough of their playmakers show up, and um, I think that was the biggest issue for him too. So yeah, and I mean, and that was the thing is it's like Tyrese Hunter went three for eleven, Marcus Carr goes four for nine, uh, Jabari Rice goes two for seven. Oh, he started so hot too, Tyrese Hunter. Yeah. Oh man, I, I was had like two three pointer. Oh, yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh man, this is it. And look at the first. He had ten points like the first ten minutes. I'm thinking, oh man, see, and they were they had the F Tyrese stuff going before the yeah. game, and I thought, oh, they, they they've awakened the beast. This All is right. it. They've awakened the beast. Yes. Yeah, man, he's had a couple of those. I was like, thank you. He's had a couple of those moments this year where you're like, all right, here it goes. And then it just kind of fades back out Yeah, again. exactly. <laughs> it feels like it's, it's boiling to that point, and then, yeah, it kind of simmers down. Yeah. I'm with I, I, Everybody keeps saying, players and uh, Coach Terry keep saying, oh, no, no, we just need him to be on his game at the right time. And the right time for them is tournament time. Um, they're they're believing that they can hold their own in the Big 12 without him playing his best basketball until they need him most. But, man, you just saw Iowa State, the Big 12, it is just – I mean, it is, it's a grown man's conference. It yeah. is a beast week in and week out. Now you got to go on the road at West Virginia, which may be the weakest team in the Big 12. Yeah, I'd say so. I but, mean, Texas exactly. Tech, Texas Tech is anything. close to it right now because they just haven't won in conference. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe that. Yeah. And I, Baylor is like one of the weaker teams, too. I think as they get uh, the big Michael and Mac uh, back in the lineup, I think Texas Tech will start to figure it out a little bit better. They really need to have another center in there. They were expecting him to be there. Mm-hmm. So you could tell it made a huge difference against in the Texas game. So I think they'll start to turn around. And uh, we just had a texter ask about if it's coaching and if Chris Beard was here, would it be different? No, because these are exact same problems that were last year. That is that that that's the first time that issue has come up. The long droughts this year, they yeah. haven't had they haven't had that many of the. I don't know if they had any. No, they've had them because they, they've had them in a few times. They haven't had as much in the second half. They've had them a lot in the first halves of games that were like four or five minutes of like. Yeah, oh. but never the seven and ten minutes. And, and believe me, because I can know because I'm sitting next to Craig and he will go. <laughs> It's been five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Craig, hey, I got my, I got my, I got my timer on. It's in five minutes. Uh, so, but that was that, that. Those were two of the longest of the season, right? If you go look at all oh, the yeah. drafts they've had, that's. I mean, they had oh, no, a, no, no, nine this and a half was, and a seven and a half minutes. Yeah, no, this was a. Yeah. This was going back to, and they, this especially on the road, they've had a lot of problems with that, where yeah. they just can't seem to get their head back in the game when they get out of it. Uh, I think you know when you talk about having that home court advantage now, you get a little bit more comfortable with it. So when you're like, man, when we're at home, they're cheering for us so loud, and then you go on the road and they're yelling at you, sometimes it's harder for you to click your head back into like, oh, none of it matters. I should be blocking all of this out at a certain point yeah. and just enjoying and playing the game the way I need to play it. And But I don't, I don't think this is anything where it's like, oh, no, this is Rodney Terrier. It's just these are problems that this team has because they haven't been able to recruit a top center and a top big man in there. 
And with that, there's just going to be – they're going to have problems uh, rebounding. You're going to have problems protecting the paint. You're going to have some of those problems of who you normally go to in a stretch when you're having trouble scoring is you throw it inside and a big guy just goes in there and gets you a couple easy buckets under the basket. Like not having that five is a problem that we knew they were going to have from the beginning of the season because he's just not there. It's a roster deficiency that you have to scheme around. And that was a part of it. People didn't necessarily want to play in Chris Beard's style. Big men don't necessarily like that style because it was a lot of getting yelled at on, on defense and not a lot of being used in the offense. So you were basically one of those guys like, oh no, we want you to touch it when you rebound, outlet pass it, and then run back down and set screens. Yeah, you're doing, you're doing, <laughs> you're doing all the hard work and not getting any of yeah, the, so, the, the props so it's in the limelight. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of guys were not as thrilled to go play into that system. Uh, so it's just hard to recruit. I get it, uh, but we'll see going forward, going into the next season if they, they, if it gets better. They have got taller guys. Like Dylan Mitchell is a taller guy. Mm-hmm. He can jump, but he just doesn't have. At least right now, he doesn't have the body for it. And he's not a can-get-the-ball footwork. And Dylan DeSue's footwork's getting a little bit better, too. But they're still just not that guy. Still, speaking of Dylan Mitchell, uh, let's talk about that, that, that play when Caleb Grill uh, undercuts him, essentially. Yeah. And he ends up falling to the floor. It's a, it's a nasty fall. It looked like it was an obvious foul, uh, but it was not called. They went back in transition. Um, <laughs> matter of fact, Grill ends up hitting a three-pointer. Because Dylan Mitchell was still down on the floor, and then they they got the numbers four to uh, four on five, and that started actually a run for Iowa State. The big run started for him. Heard uh, Zay talking about this because a lot of people didn't get to watch the game because for some it's asinine reasons <laughs> it was not on you know broadcast television. You had to get the ESPN Plus app, but um, and he might have made a good point. He said he would like to have seen Rodney Terry uh, work the refs a little bit more uh, at that time. Um, especially when it was so agree, it was such an egregious uh, missed call by the refs at the time, and it ended up being such a game changing play. Uh, my man Zay obviously uh, watches a lot of ball. He, he himself has been an official, so he's really hard on officials because he himself was an official uh, at the high school level. Uh, that's something interesting. I don't know Ronnie Terry's uh, personality. Uh, enough. I've met him a couple of times. I've met yeah. him a few times. I don't know if he has a personality. Just maybe he's just not a guy that could work the refs that hard, or maybe because he figures, hey, I don't have enough street cred because I just got the job to be working the refs that hard. We've talked about this, Patrick, actually, about how you know it seems like the the refs that at least the coaches that know the refs really well and vice versa. The coaches actually feel comfortable working those refs a little bit harder than maybe the guys the guys who don't know the refs potentially. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe because he just you know what I mean maybe he doesn't know the refs. He hadn't been in that role that long to work. That's a good point though about working the refs. That's part of your job. It is as a in, as a basketball coach. Period. You got to work the refs. It's one of those rare. You do in the NFL maybe a little bit, but not as much. Um, you know, I, I guess in baseball you do. So I guess every job is your job to work the refs, but it's a little bit different depending on the intimacy you have with the referees yeah. and how close. And, and in football, them. there's a lot more so officials, yeah, and so you're not necessarily yeah. talking to the one who's throwing the exactly. flag because they're not on the sideline. Exactly. So it's, it's different. Of they rotate, so you're basically getting into every single of the three officials, and they're the same guys in Big Twelve over and over. You see, them. so you know everyone. Yeah, and so it's yeah. There is a point of it where that's probably a little bit of it. Of you know, it's just they. It's a they're treating him as a rookie coach, even though he isn't one. And so it's like, hey man, you just got to earn a little bit more of. 
But he's been around the game. Like, they've known him. He coached at Texas as an assistant coach for many years, too. These guys mm-hmm. all know Rodney Terry. Yeah. I think but you, I, there may be something to it of them being like, oh, no, we're going to give the benefit of the doubt to this other guy who's been a head coach longer. And we're going to give benefit to the, to the home crowd a little bit more. Yeah. We're just – and no. he may not be able to sway it back. Like, a guy like Bill Self can go, oh, no, I can get anywhere because I'm Bill Self. It, it would have been worth it to get a tech at that time. I don't, that's, I don't think that's Rodney's style. Like, See, I, that's what I think. So, yeah, I don't think style. that's his style. Chris Beard would have got a tech then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that's – And I'm, oh, not, yeah. I'm not saying either one is right or wrong. I'm just talking yeah. about styles of leadership and styles of coaching out there. I thought it was an interesting point that Zay brought up about that. I thought it was a really cool, good point um, that, yeah, you got to know when to – because, you know, maybe that means you'll get the benefit of the doubt on a couple of calls later on when you plant those seeds uh, with the referees early in the games or during the game. And even when it's something egregious like that, um, usually the ref will let you go because some of the other refs are going, oh, man, that was a missed call. That's – yeah, I wasn't close to it, so I couldn't do it, but that looked like a, a, a pretty bad yeah. miss. And then you get the replay. If there was a stoppage at any time, you get a replay. You wouldn't have gotten it out of eight, though, because I would say they don't, you know, this, they're not giving you the replay. You know what I mean? But when they replay it yeah, on yeah. the jumbo oh, yeah, or something no, no. like that. No, and that's, right. uh, yeah, normally, and that's too, if you get a bad call, you'll yeah. see all of a sudden there will be a charge or a moving screen on the other end, and they just go, all right, there's a makeup call. Like the ref, the other ref saw it better, it and they go, I can't override him because then it, Shatters the whole no oh no the whole no. system collapses system oh no collapses. you if cannot I walk over and go hey oh. man you missed that one yeah but if I walk over on the next play and just go hey you did this thing that you're doing every single play of every single game and it's kind of we just let it go but it is technically a foul we're going back the other way that is part of your job though as a yeah, coach I mean and it's, that's what and so it's when it happens areas. and when when those happen it's you everybody just goes oh yeah no we get it. You just you messed up the other call, yeah. making that one better. All um, right, no, good. I get, I, but trust me, no, no amount of makeup calls would have made up for the <laughs> separation of Iowa State beating Texas seventy-eight to sixty-seven. So we'll talk more about uh, that loss, but also they got a big game coming up on the road still in the Big Twelve versus West Virginia uh, to try to bounce back. We come back, we'll get into the uh, the ca- the coaching carousel in the NFL right now. Uh, the Colts have requested an interview with Dan Quinn. Will Dan Quinn after the Cowboys playoff run? Hopefully that run does not in for the Cowboys this weekend, but after a playoff run, will Dan Quinn decide to jump ship to a head coaching job? We'll talk about that and also an update on the Texans uh, coaching search as well and Sean Payton and Tom Brady collaborating. Yeah, that's the rumor. We'll talk about that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful the horn. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. One day, child, I won't have to listen to your lies. On that day, I'll be able to make up my own mind. You know, I think I done finally realized. Yes, I have. And now I think I can put you out of my life. I'm going to be free. 
Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. My man Patrick, the idealionaire, he plays uh, selections from um, the soundtrack of a particular movie for whatever reason uh, he deems uh, relevant or whatever uh, reason that he comes up with because he's the idealionaire. And based on those songs and those selections, uh, um, I'm and my man Harge usually are supposed to guess Exactly what movie is the feature for midweek movie music? Okay, I got it. I've let it. You know, I'm pondering right now. I like the jam though. I don't, yeah, this is, solid this track. Is, man. There's a lot of solid tracks on this one. Yeah, this is a nice one. Man, this is good. But it could be. This could go a lot of different ways. This could be the era. It could be. You know, this could be something that's kind of a throwback from it. Uh. Yeah, so I can't go off the first song. I don't think we've ever gotten it off the first song. No, it would have to be like, and you I, try to make to, I also easy. don't usually give you one that's a giveaway yeah. on the first. Okay, all right. So based on the second selection, I'll have a, I'll have a guess. I'll have at least one guess, uh, possibly when I hear the next song. So we'll do that. Midweek movie music, always having fun with that. Thanks to my man Patrick. You can be a part of the show. That's why we've kind of muted the spec text line too, by the way. So. Um, Patrick can look at it, but I'm not looking at it. But please uh, hit us up as soon as we're done with midweek movie music or at least done with the uh, kind of the game show element of midweek movie music. Uh, we will open up the Specs text line again, 512-337-3776. So hit us up on the Specs text line. You're the heartbeat of this thing. All right, Cowboys fans, we'll get into your matchup with the 49ers here uh, coming up a little bit later on the show. But the big news is that Dan Quinn – has been requested, or at least his presence has been requested for another interview for a head coaching vacancy in the NFL. Um, this time it is the Indianapolis Colts uh, requesting an interview with Dan Campbell. Uh, sorry, Dan Campbell. Dan Quinn. Did I say Dan Campbell? Dan Quinn. Dan Campbell. Uh, Dan Quinn, um, who is the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Um, Dan Quinn, of course, has been a... You know, he's been a top name for a lot of different head coaching vacancies over the last two years, um, but he has not taken any of those jobs. The Denver Broncos also uh, recently requested an interview for their head coaching vacancy with Dan Quinn. That's the second year in a row that they've requested an interview with Dan Quinn for their head coaching vacancy because they had Nathaniel Hackett in there. And actually, the GM for the Denver Broncos said that Dan Quinn was one of the front runners, that he was one of the finalists, actually. But they chose Nathaniel Hackett instead. Yeah, and I think we saw last year there was more, it seemed to be there was more trepidation in Dan Quinn to go to take a head coaching job that he felt like it felt like he was a little bit more happy in Dallas. And not saying he's not happy now, but that he was okay with doing another season in Dallas as a DC. He liked what he was building there. I agree. And now it seems more of like he knows. I mean, I kind of like to get back to be a head coach again. Yeah, I wonder if this will be the last season for him uh, to be with the Cowboys. I think it'll be hard to entice him to stay. He could. I mean, I mean, and I'm telling what I was saying during the game. I'm like, when that when that defense is shutting down Tom Brady, and I get that Tom Brady's offense does not look good all year, but you're still like, man, Dan Quinn wants that Walmart money. Uh, yo. Walmart money. That's, that's that deal. Is that that Broncos job? When you see the numbers they started throwing around for Harbaugh and Sean Payton, 
Yeah. When you see those numbers and you're like, well, if Dan Quinn gets half that, he'd be one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL. No, I'm with you on that. It's a good <laughs> point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you'd be talking about retirement if he wanted to, but at least he'd have his retirement. Like uh, It'd be set. Yeah. He wouldn't have to worry about money ever again. He could just go out there uh, and be a defensive coordinator if he never got a head coaching gig again, if he failed. But if he went there and was successful, who knows what happened with Dan Quinn. Because that's, that's the other one, too, is we're like, well, maybe Jerry can match an offer. And you're like, Jerry can match a $4 million offer. For a coordinator for a year. He could. He no, wanted to. Yeah, he could, yeah, he he's could. not going to match an $8 million, $9 million offer for a defensive coordinator. I don't think he's not so. Gonna out, he's not going to pay more than he's paying Mike McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, and getting back to that performance by Dan Quinn's defense versus Tampa Bay, uh, in that game, they, uh, they basically made history um, by turning Tom Brady into the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era to throw more than 65 passes and score fewer than 17 points. So it was a really impressive defensive performance. They are a bad offense. They are. Um, but the Cowboys came out and dominated uh, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. And a lot of people are thinking about Dan Quinn as their potential head coach. I would say the Texans have not really reached out to Dan Quinn, I don't think. No, but that also— His name hasn't come up with the Texans. But the Texans basically—they said Sean Payton or super young guys never coached for, right? That's basically where they're um, at. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I think you're right about that. If I'm thinking about all the candidates they brought up, they're either young guys who are up-and-comers, fast risers, or Sean Payton. He's the only old guy. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right about that. That could be the route they're going. Yeah. Because he, he, they went with two old guys already. Yeah, and I, I mean, think- Cully was an old guy, and Lovey Smith's an old guy. Nothing. I'm not an ageist, by the way. Nothing against old guys. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an old guy now, so I'm not hating on old guys. No. Old guys work. Sean Payton's an old guy, and I hope they get him. I'm praying they oh, get something. Oh, I, I do too. But, I, yeah, I think Casario knows. It's like if you get a Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn's going to want a lot more roster control than one of these other guys. But if you get Sean Payton, you can't tell Cal McNair, don't go talk to Sean Payton because then you're clearly you're not doing what's in the best interest of his franchise. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I, I, I'm glad that Sean Payton is seriously considering the Texans. Nobody believes the Texans are in serious consideration to get Sean Payton. There's a lot of people that believe that Sean Payton may decide because all the jobs are so unattractive, this coaching carousel to wait for another year. Well, and That would be my biggest concern, too. And that was in that Colin Coward interview where he said, if it goes to next year, then the, the, what, the compensation changes. Yeah. Because now the contract is shorter. He has less years on the contract. So now you have to go less to get him because the Saints don't have him quite as raked over the coals. Yeah, that would be, and I mean, the Texans have, I mean, they have as much draft capital as any team yeah. um, that has a vacancy, and they have as much uh, salary cap room as any team with a coaching vacancy. So they, they're attractive from those two standpoints that you can, you have all the building blocks in place um, to build the roster the way you want it, to shape it in your own vision or whatever you have, but also... I, I, I think this is probably maybe the most attractive part for a guy like Sean Payton, and maybe he sees it, maybe he doesn't. There's a void in leadership with the Texans. If you come into the Texans organization, they've shown time and time again, if they have someone who is they trust with the responsibility of being able to manage and head the organization, whether they deserve that responsibility or not, they'll give it to you. They did it to Bill O'Brien. Deal with Jack Easterby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're doing it right now with Nick Casario, probably giving them too much. 
power well, and too much influence with the organization. But Sean Payton is a guy I would want him to have that type of undue influence. And with that's the, the thing is, I think Sean Payton's smart enough to go. No, if you come and let me come in and put my people around and every Cal McNair doesn't like to fire people. Casario likes to fire people. Cal McNair does not like to fire people because historically this franchise has not fired guys. They, they didn't. They kept promoting Bill O'Brien until a point when the only person who could fire him was ownership yeah. because he basically had every other job. And so that was the only time they went, all right, we've gone way too far down this line. Now we have to, we have to do something. But other than that, they, Casario fired the two coaches. They were Casario mistakes. Um, he's the one that experimented with, I, I have no idea why he fired Cully. My biggest, I don't know, I would say my theory, my, I'd probably say the one conspiracy theory I would throw out there is that maybe Cully was winning too much and refused yeah. to tank. No, and I mean, that's, we that was the report of why this becomes a really like terrible job if Casario's there for one of these young guys is apparently he wants super control over a lot of things and that he, like it was so bad that Levy Smith, who was on the coaching staff, agreed to take the job with all the, I know you're going to be involved in everything, and was still by the end of the season annoyed that he was like, Casario, we can be have a partnership, but if you walk in the locker room and say, you're starting him and you're doing that and you're pulling this guy, how am I supposed to coach? Yeah, I mean, he does. He's on the headset uh, yep. during the game, listening to communications. Not, he's not contributing. He's not inputting his uh, thoughts or anything. Uh, he's not saying anything, but he is listening to communications. And there are some uh, reports that Lovey Smith also did not like that. He's pretty old school. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think Nick Casario needs to be – I think he does have – a really good uh, talent evaluation yeah. skills as an executive. I love the draft that he recently had, and honestly, I've liked the the accumulation of draft capital. I think that's been he's been pretty yeah. good doing that. Um, I do think he has some blind spots, like every human being does, yeah. and they need to put together um, or put in place rather checks and balances so they can give him more support with whatever his weak spots or blind spots are. And they are not, uh, as an organization, functional enough to be able to identify that and to be able to bring in the necessary uh, you know, people or necessary personnel to provide him that support. I think Nick Casario, I, I like him actually as a, as a GM. I think he's, he's, he may be bad at hiring coaches, which, you know what I mean, that's not the worst thing. You can get people to help you with that kind of stuff. Um, but you go look at him in terms of the draft. He's been really good at the draft, and that's one part of your job as a GM too. So I would just give him help on hiring the coaches and say, man, you cannot have full personnel control. Yeah, I think that's the – That's something you got to split with the head coach. That's that the I biggest thing in. is I think he needs to learn how to collaborate better. There you go. That's and that's a part thing. of it's – there's so many things that are done, like the Brandon Cooks thing – Little parts like that where you're like, if you would have just talked to someone and sat down with a couple other football people and they go, hey, when you're giving this thing, what what happens if we want to trade him this year? Like you're making him untradeable on a tanking season with a veteran player. Like he may be good to get us – like we may be able to get a first-round pick for him and you're going to give him another contract that we can now not get a pick for him. That was weird. Stuff like that where if they they sat in a room, then maybe they could have done something else. And it was, I get, if you're just by yourself and you go, oh, this guy's a leader of our team and we want to keep him because we need more leadership and, I, and I've got a bunch of mercenaries so I need a leader, I can understand you wanting the contract extension, but then you sit in the room with other football people and they may give you other thoughts that you can put through 
and make a smarter, more informed decision. Here are the uh, head coach candidates that the Texans have interviewed or requested an interview with. Uh, Denver Broncos defensive coordinator Ijiro Evero, um, Philadelphia Eagles OC uh, Shane Steichen, um, the the Eagles DC Jonathan Gannon, the LA Rams tight end coach slash assistant head coach Thomas Brown, um, Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryan, San Francisco, D.C., and New York Giants, O.C., Mike Kafka. I believe uh, D'Amico Ryan has already said he didn't want it, though. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, he, 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 he's a candidate, I think, that they've I know they I know they reached out and reached out they to him, did. but I think D'Amico Ryan's may have already turned it down. I'm not sure. I believe Shannon said that he was going to interview okay. with him later this week or something like okay. that. Like I, I um, read somewhere virtually. that he had turned he could it down. Have, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I know was, Ben Johnson, the Lions OC, he withdrew his name from consideration. Okay. Um, but I I don't know about D'Amico Ryan's. I like D'Amico Ryan's a lot. I, I, I said this earlier this year, the Texans need to consider D'Amico Ryan's because uh, he's a guy that once was a Texan with my man Kyle Shanahan. When he was the OC. He was one of the players here. And there are a lot of great stories about D'Amico Ryan's and his really just his football IQ and his football acumen and him uh, showing coaches from around the NFL that he's a guy that has what it takes to be a head coach in the league. Um just Chip Kelly recently. This was not recently, but I was reading this article recently, and Chip Kelly was uh, with him in Philadelphia when he was the linebacker in Philadelphia. Chip Kelly was there as the head coach, um, and D'Amico Ryan's ruptured his Achilles there, and he got hurt. Chip Kelly gave him the nickname uh, Mufasa, the leader of the, basically the basic like he was the, the the king of the jungle is what he called him. Like he was the king, um, and Jordan Hicks, strangely enough, lifetime Longhorn Jordan Hicks, he claims that he learned almost everything he has learned at the professional level about playing the linebacker position from D'Amico Ryans. Uh, he, because D'Amico Ryans was there when they drafted Jordan Hicks, it was when uh, D'Amico Ryans got hurt, ruptured his Achilles, and basically he was in coach mode for this new young linebacker, rookie linebacker Jordan Hicks, and just took him under his wing. And Jordan Hicks to this day, if you ask him about his development, who had the uh, you know one of the greatest influences on him as a player, he will bring up D'Amico Ryan's. Oh no, and I like that is what I, I really like D'Amico Ryan's as a coach. I think he's great. <laughs> when when I what I had read and what I'd seen, and now it's I just checked and he is still doing the interview. So at least they got someone to go. Hey man, at least do the interview. But there's a yeah, lot of should. former Texans who do don't interview. like what the Texans have done and have distanced himself from the franchise in the last few years. I get that. And, like, Andre Johnson is one of those guys who came back and tried to help and then basically was like, y'all are idiots, and left again. So there's been those guys that have kind of come back out. So I could believe if he was still friends with any of those guys, he may have heard some negative things. Yeah. No, I mean, it, but that's not a surprise, though. That's, and no. that's not a secret. No. Everybody knows the Texans are a foster cluck of a franchise. Exactly. Like, that's not the issue. To me, the issue is – are you the right person to turn them around as a franchise? And how much power are they going to give you to do it? Yeah. And that's the Nick Casario question. Um, but I don't know. The more research I do on D'Amico Ryan's, the more I like him. I was just doing research about his time in Philadelphia with Chip Kelly. In 2016, as head coach of um, uh, the 49ers, uh, that would hire Ryan's, D'Amico Ryan's one year later, of course, because Shannon hired him on his staff. Um, Chip Kelly uh, filled out a series of questions for his coach bio. And uh, under uh, when he, we had, when they like favorite food, favorite movie, whatever, favorite fast food, best football nickname under player, 
uh, that would make a great head coach in the future? He put D'Amico Ryans. <laughs> he was head coach of the yeah. 49ers at the time. He put D'Amico Ryans. And, that's, and, that, and that, that's just crazy to me. And then my man Shano, when he was uh, recently, and this was like actually not recently, this was like in 2018, uh, when he was asked about D'Amico Ryans, and, and, and I think uh, Robert Seller was still there before he took the Jets job. Shano said, quote, it's only a matter of time before D'Amico is a coordinator in this league um, and then a matter of time before he's a head coach. Yeah. So he's got glowing reviews from a lot of head coaches around the league that this guy gets it. He's one of them. Jim Trotter, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, uh, back when D'Amico Ryans was playing there, he said he would come up with two game plans every week. One for the defense he could run no matter what, and another he would run if D'Amico Ryans was on the field. Because he said, uh, basically, D'Amico Ryan's so talented, he will go to the next level and be phenomenal. He basically said, because of the way he handles himself on a day-to-day basis, um, he went on to say, basically, he, that guy was such a coach on the field, I could depend on him to run a totally different offense, sorry, defense, because he would be able to, you know, allocate resources and be the air traffic controller, if you will, of the defense, get everybody lined up in the right place. So the more research I do on Amigo Ryan, the more I think he might be worth it. I I know as a defensive guy, it's hard to go back to back defensive coaches. So they'll probably try to go offense, and they can get Sean Payton. Go get Sean Payton, yeah. but that's gonna be tough. All right, we we'll come back. We got the flex on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put on the horn. Wow, uh, midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. My man Patrick does a great job. Uh, coming up with uh, selections from a soundtrack of a movie that inspired him. Um, and based on those selections that he plays for us, we're supposed to be able to guess exactly what movie is a feature for midweek movie music. Nelly. Wow. Okay. That's not where I thought this was going. <laughs> I didn't figure you were going to have hip-hop right after, you know, kind of the old-school soul um, that you had before. Yeah. So that's a random mix of songs. Yeah. Throw you off the scent. It did. It really did. Because Nelly, obviously, totally different eras. Yep. Totally different eras, totally different genres. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. That's tough. I'm not going to lie. That's tough. That's right. The next one that's The not, next one will get you. That's not where I was going at all. <laughs> man. Okay. You'll get it from the next one. All right. I would ask for a clue. We'll get it. The next one, you should get it. All right. How's the spec text line? They got it already? No. Oh, good. I don't think so. I don't think we've had many guesses, but we'll see if they get off this. That's good because sometimes, uh, my man Patrick, uh, I think now you're, you're, you're getting too good for the spec text line. <laughs> and they usually just shazamming it, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, go to flxatx.com, flxatx, and all your social media platforms. Um, up, the, up at the website, a lot of great content, including uh, kind of a breakdown of the, uh, the Battle of the Lakes uh, in, in men's basketball. Uh, they did show, uh, my man Zay was talking about this too earlier and i think zay was there 
uh, got a chance to attend it. It was a 26-6A matchup um, between the uh, the two rivals. Uh, Lake Travis did beat Westlake, um, and it was uh, a heated contest, 43-42. to um, Lake Travis came out with the win. So they got some details about that matchup and about the rivalry, of course, uh, up at the website. You can go check that out. Uh, also, uh, they still have their power rankings, which – I imagine uh, they got to switch their power rankings up a little bit, too, uh, potentially after uh, the shakeup, Lake Travis beating Westlake. Um, so you can go check those out, latest power rankings up there at flxatx.com for uh, the men's basketball, uh, the high school men's basketball teams here in Central Texas. Um, also a lot of great content, too. So go uh, check out flxatx social media platforms, but also flxatx.com as well. All right, we come back. We'll get into Cowboys 49ers. We'll break that down. We got divisional round previews as well that we'll get into. I will do my best not to embarrass myself for midweek movie music. Usually this is when my man Patrick gives us the softballs. If I can't get it then, we'll just let my man Patrick give it to us, and then we'll open up the Specs text line. All of that and more right here at Baldwin Line 104.9 The Horn.